Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 15 through 17. Are you ready? Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Father, we, uh, we want to use our time wisely, God. Uh, time is such a big thing in our lives. God, we, we never seem to have enough. God, there's always things that, that we want to do that don't get done. Um, Father, I pray that you would just help us to manage that. Uh, Lord, I, I know that as Jesus walked the earth, he was always doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing. And, and he was always where he was supposed to be and when he was supposed to be there. And, uh, Father, I, I just pray, God, that we would not waste our lives. Uh, Father, they go by so quickly. Uh, Father, we, we don't, we don't want to waste them. And so, Lord, I, I pray today that through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would just impress upon our lives the, the urgency to live holy uh, today, now. Uh, God, bring, bring an urgency and a... a and intentionality to our lives. Uh, Father, I, I ask that you would shape us and mold us and move in us. Father, we, we pray that you do that through your truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our, our text begins with uh, two interesting words. It says, look carefully. Okay, you see that in the text? Look carefully, then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. That, that, that little phrase, look carefully, is basically a phrase that describes someone who, who's examining something. Someone who's got a microscope out or a magnifying glass or they've got something laid before them and they're just pouring over it in detail. Okay, And we see that in, in, in our life. Probably there's things in your life that you examine carefully, right? Some of you are that way about your vehicles, okay? Uh, the Dirks family is actually out of that category, okay? But some of you are that way. I mean, you, you know, I mean, you, you'll go over every inch of your vehicle. When you wash it, you really wash it. You know, when I wash my vehicle, I'm just getting, I want, I want to be able to see out the windshield. That's basically the goal, okay? But when you wash your vehicle, I mean, you've gone over the bumper, you've detailed it, you've gone inside, you, you've vacuumed, you've arm rolled, you, you, you have examined closely your vehicle, okay? Some of you are that way about your yards. Uh, we've got some neighbors that are that way about their yard. I mean, they, if there's a dandelion that pops up overnight, they know the next morning, you know? I mean, they, they, they're looking that closely and, and that detailed over, over their yards. So me that way about your your physical appearance, you know. Uh, you, you're you're just one of those people that you're you're really all about making sure you look just right, make sure every hair is is right where it's supposed to be, clothes are all pressed, you know, uh, lo- looking just like you you want to look. And and so there are different areas in our life that we look carefully at, that we inspect, and, that, and that's really what that word means. It's it's kind of the picture of a lawyer who's who's going over every word of a contract to make sure there's no loopholes, everything's just like it should be. Maybe a doctor who's got a got a got a microscope, and he's examining a, a a sample or, or somebody's blood, sees if there's disease, if there's leukemia, uh, just, just this detailed examination of something, all right? And so what it says in verse 15, though, is it commands us, look carefully, okay, to examine, pour over, uh, just, just detailed, look at how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Now, the Bible is not saying to examine your, your actual physical walk. You know, do you limp? Do you swagger? Do you strut? Do you drag one foot behind? He's not talking about walk in that sense. Very consistently in the New Testament, when the Bible talks about walk, it, it's talking about your life. It's talking about how you live your life, and specifically, how you live your spiritual life, okay? Now, it's talking about the day-to-day practical nuts and bolts, you and your family, you and your job, you and, you and your shopping, 
and you and whatever you do. It's talking about that. But always in the New Testament, when it says your walk, it's talking about how are you living out what Jesus has put in you, okay? If you've been here through our, our series in Ephesians, you know we started with the first three chapters talking about all that God has done in us. And we've reminded ourselves of that, I think, every week since then. How we're chosen to be holy and blameless in Christ. How we've been joined to Jesus. How we're filled with the Holy Spirit. How we're forgiven of our sins. How we're, we're given the righteousness of Jesus Christ. How all of that has been done in every person who is a believer. Who's joined to Christ. And, and so Paul is now saying, alright, how is, how is your living out of what God has put in you? Okay, God has put all of that in you. God has joined you to Christ. He's done all of that for you. He's made you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, how does your day-to-day life look when you consider that all that's been done inside of you, that that's who you are in Jesus Christ. And so, so Paul is saying, look, examine carefully your walk. How are you living out your day-to-day expression of your faith in your family and in your work and in your friendships and at the ballpark and with your kids, I mean, your habits and your schedule and your priorities? You, you know, ask yourself this question. What if, what if somebody from a completely different culture, okay, Somebody from, you know, just a different culture, different world, different language, different everything. They don't know anything about American culture. They don't know anything about Northwest Oklahoma. They don't know anything about the English language. And let's just say they come and they, they walk around with you for a week, okay? They, they look at your family. What, what, what would their report say, you know? I mean, isn't that an interesting question to ask? I mean, what would their report say? They, don't, they know nothing about our culture. So what would they say? You know, uh, under the section of what, what does this person care deeply about? What would they put, you know? What would they put? Not, not what you tell them. You know, a lot of times we want to tell people, well, this is what I care deeply about. This is what I'm all about. This is what I love. Okay, but, but does your, your day-to-day, your walk, okay? Someone there just looking at your life. They're following you around all week long. All right, what are they going to say? What do they say about your priorities? What do they say about what you care deeply about, you know? I mean, what are they going to write in that section? They say, well, you know, he's got this little handheld deal, and he's always, he's always typing this code stuff in it, you know? I mean, what would they say? You know, what would your life look like? What would they say, man, this is really valuable to that person? And, and that's a hard question because sometimes our, 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 the things that we're around all the time, they're so close to us that we can't see, you know? We don't look at them with fresh eyes. You know, you know what that is? You, know, you, you ever realize you, a lot of things that you're used to in your life, you don't see with fresh eyes anymore. I remember it was, uh, I'd been here probably about seven years, I think. And uh, right outside these doors, for, for as long as, you know, before I was there and when I came, about the first seven years after that, we had a desk, like a, like a, just a, like a school desk and uh, a filing cabinet and a bunch of stuff where we put all our Sunday school stuff. And I never thought a thing about it. You know, I thought, you know, I, I just never thought about it. It was just, it was there. I, you know, I just thought it was, it, they built a building that way. I don't know. I never gave it any thought. Raina Labram came to our church and she, she, they were new to our church and we kind of put her on the decorating committee. And one day she came to me and she said, Pastor, why do we have that stuff there? And I said, I don't know. You know, it just is there, you know. And, and she said, you know, that's a major, you know, walkway between Sunday school and the sanctuary. Everybody walks by there every day. Why, why do we have a desk there? You know, why, why do we have, you know, and I said, I never, I never looked at it that way, you know. And, and so there's certain things in our life. My point is, there's certain things in your life that you, you don't look at with fresh eyes anymore, you know. I mean, you don't see, you don't really step back away from, from your life and say, okay, this is what our life looks like. This, this is the way we work. This is the way we eat. This is the way we we schedule. These are our priorities. Here's where we are every night of the week. And here's what we do from seven to 10. You know, it's hard for us to step back and actually look at this is our life. That's what Paul's asking you to do. He's saying, look carefully, examine your life. 
And honestly, most of us don't do that very often. And I think the reason we don't do that very often is because we don't see any urgent need to do so. You know, I mean, most of us live in a world where we're just trying to make it through the day. You know, we're just trying to get through this week, and I got a tough week, I got a tough day. I, you know, just, you know, I've tried, this is my next thing on my schedule. I'm just trying to make it, okay? That's a sorry way for a believer to live. And Paul is telling us, don't live that way. Look carefully then how you walk, how you live. Realize that there are urgent things in your spiritual, personal life that must be done. You see, most of the time, everything that's urgent in our lives is outside of our personal spiritual realm. You know, you've got urgent things in your life and your job, don't you? In fact, I bet some of you, you already know what's going to happen tomorrow. And you're already geared up for it, you know? You know you've got to be at a certain place at a certain time. And you've got to say a certain thing and, and, and accomplish a certain job. And there's, an, there's a sense of urgency about that. I mean, you know, you're already geared up. Man, I've I got to be out the door at 4 a.m. tomorrow. I mean, I hear guys talking that way. Because I've got to be here. And I've got to do this. And man, a bid hangs on this. Or a job hangs on this. And so there's a sense of urgency. That, that really is completely absent in most people's spiritual lives. How many times? How many times have you heard someone say, "Man, we got we got to go. Man, we can't stay. We got to go. I got to get up early tomorrow and read the book of Philippians." You know, have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? You know, have you ever heard anybody say, "You know, man, we can't be at the game. We got to go talk to Grandpa about faith tonight." I bet you've never heard that one. But you've never heard someone say, I mean, we can't be at the game tomorrow because we've we, we got we to go talk to Grandma about faith. You know, we've got an opportunity here. Ha, have you ever heard, you know, I, have you ever heard this? I can't watch a movie with you, you know, because tonight is the night that I spend an hour praying for my kids' salvation. You ever heard that? I, I've never heard any of those. And I've been around a lot of Christian people for about the last 20 years. And I've never heard any of those. Why don't we hear those? And you might say, well... Pastor, it's because those things aren't important to us. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe that. I think, I think the Bible is really important to some of you. I, I think it is. Um, I think prayer is really important to some of, you, some of us. I, I think it is. I, I, think share, I think whether grandpa goes to heaven or hell, I think that's a really significant thing in a lot of our lives. I think we all have family members that, man, we desperately want them to be joined to Jesus Christ. I, I, think, I don't think it's that we don't think it's important. I think that we're sold on this, this concept that can be done later. Don't you think that's it? No, no, really, that, that's it, isn't it? It can be done later. You, you see, your job can be done later, right? I mean, you've you got to be somewhere tomorrow. And if you're not there, man, there's bad things going to happen, you know? And if you, if you don't pull off what you've got to pull off tomorrow in your work or in your occupation or with your whatever, with your, your community event or whatever it is you got, you know, then there's consequences for that. I mean, you're going to lose the sale. You're going to lose the bid. You're going to lose the job. You're going to look bad. But, but here's what we all have convinced ourselves is that there's always time for spiritual work. We're always going to do that and we can get to that and we can give that the leftover we can go ahead and go to the game and we can we go ahead and do the job and we go ahead go to the event and watch the movie and watch tv till 11 o'clock and we can still do what god wants us to do i think we're convinced of that but that really is not that's not that's not true and, and we should not live with an absence of urgency and intentionality about our lives you know if i tell you guys there's a sniper hidden out in the field over there, afraid to put a bullet in you when you walk out these doors. If we all believe that, 
There'd be guys. I mean, Barrett could be over there laying down with his binoculars, scanning the field, you know? I mean, there'd be guys that would be, you know, rallying their families behind pews, and, and, and there'd be plans. I mean, people, people would be setting stuff in motion. When they, you know, they'd be like, all right, here's what we got to do. We got to call so-and-so. We got to go out the back. We're going to send some guys around the back. You know, we're all going to go this way. We're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to figure this deal out, right? I mean, I mean just, there would be a real sense of urgency and intentionality about what we did in the next hour and what we did about the next in the half a day and the next day okay but as it is here here's what the way most of us i think in general maybe not you but i know i get in this rut most of us we don't give a thought to what's going to happen when we walk out those doors we don't give a thought to what what's going to happen this afternoon as far as our spiritual lives then we may say well you know i gotta cut the grass and i gotta trim the bushes because i'm not gonna be able to because i'm gonna be gone all week or we we, we, hate, we do that kind of stuff but but there's no real intentionality about what what happens tonight or, or, or this evening or in your small group and what paul is telling us is that really matters those things really matter there's a sense of urgency about what needs to be done in your life today there are real spiritual entities that that have to be accomplished there there are people that need to be encouraged there are sins that need to be repented of and relationships that need to be built prayers that need to be pleaded truth that needs to be embraced and friendships need to be cultivated and neighbors that need to be shared with and acts of mercy and kindness that need to be done in jesus name and it all needs to happen today you say, why, why today? There is no other day than today, you know? I mean, we're each given this time, and that's all we have. And so Paul is saying, look carefully then how you live. Examine. Man, just, just pour over your life. I mean, give some real thought to, man, what, how do we live? And why do we live this way? And why do we do this? And why do we have cable TV? I'm not saying you shouldn't, but why do you have it? What purpose does it serve in your life? Why do we have a cell phone? Why, why, why do we go to these places? Why are we involved in this? Give some intentionality to your lives. Look carefully. And the, the object of that is in verse 16. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. So Paul wants you to look at your life, and he wants you to really examine it, really, really look hard at it. Why? So that you make the best use of the time. You know, the Bible says a lot about time. Uh, one of the things it says over and over is, is man, it's going to go by quickly, okay? James chapter 4, verse 13, come now, you say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to such and such a place or town and spend a year there, trade and make a profit. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. What is your life for you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away? You're a mist. That, that's, that's what the Bible says about your life. Man, you're, you're a puff of smoke that's here and gone. You know, and, and, and some of us are beginning to realize that, okay? I, I think we are. I'm beginning to realize that. You know, uh, Stephen Rogers, he's not here, but uh, he said the other day, uh, Dr. Kirkendall and Kathy had spoken in, in, the, in the Wednesday night deal about marriage. And he came up and I said, man, what'd you think? And we were kind of talking about that. And, and Stephen said to me, he said, you know, he said, man, I just, you know, I've I really enjoyed, you know, getting to, getting to hear Doc and Kathy. And he said, you and you and Emma getting to know you guys. He says, you know, it's, it's really it's really cool to me to get to know some of you old guys and, and how you, and you know, he goes on to talk. And I stopped right at old guys. I'm, like, I'm not the old guy. Man, I'm the young guy. And then I got, okay, maybe I am getting to be, you know. How did that happen? When I came to this church, I was 23 or 24, you know. And now all of a sudden, I, I'm, what? Me? You know. It happens, doesn't it? I, I think he's wrong anyway. But, but anyway, I, I, that's his perspective, okay. Folks, time, time goes by quickly. And, and listen, time is incredibly valuable. All this stuff we've been looking at, Okay. I want you to put this in the context of Ephesians, all right? Man, for, for two months, we've been looking at, 
as born-again believers, we, we live out this life by putting off the old man and putting on the new man, right? And we do that by the renewing of our minds, changing the way we think about Jesus. Change, the way you, you, when you change the way you think about Jesus, you change the way you think about yourself and about life and about purpose and about everything, okay? And so as our minds are renewed, we're putting off the old man and we're putting on the new man, all right? But listen, listen, all of that has to be done in sections of time. Does that make sense? Everything we've talked about in the last two months, you know, put off falsehood, put on truth. You know what? That's got to be done. That's going to be done in time. That's not, it's not done just in this vacuum. You, there's a slice of your life that you will have to give to that. Okay? Put, put off, what was it? Put off stealing. Okay? And, and instead, work hard and be generous that you may have something to give to people. You know, being generous. That's done in a slice of time. Be angry, but do not sin. You know? reconcile, forgive. That's done in a slice of time, okay? Relationships, everything this church is about, everything that, 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 that we, we strive to, that's all done in slices of time. And so here's the thing. You can have great intentions and you can sit in this room and you can hear me say, hey, put off the old man, put on the new man. We want to be new in Christ. But if you never give it a slice of time, will it ever be done? I don't think it will. It's not going to be done in my life. I mean, it just doesn't happen. I mean, if we don't, if we don't give it something, we don't get. I mean, time is is neutral; it's neither good or bad. But but you got you got to purchase some of it for this stuff, okay? Literally, the the, the phrase there, "make the best use of time." It's literally redeem the time. It's a word. It's a word that means to buy up. I mean, literally, that's what the Greek word says. It says buy up some time. You know, it's the picture of someone seeing an opportunity and saying, I'm, I'm going to buy this opportunity. I'm going to seize it. The other day I was in the grocery store shopping and uh, I was there early in the morning and they just put out all their sales stuff. And they had maple syrup life, okay? That's a significant thing in our family. That's all Haven will eat, okay? Maple syrup life. And, and most all the feather family likes it too. So it's, it's kind of a big deal. It's a staple of our diet, all right? They had it for like, it's like a buck 25 a box, you know? I bought like eight or nine boxes. I mean, I just cleared the shelf out, you know? Because I thought, wow, I mean, this, this is incredible. I mean, what I did was I, I bought up. You know, an opportunity, okay? Well, in the, in the same way, Paul is saying, you, you got to buy up a piece of time to do this stuff. If you're going to be new in Christ, if you're going to put on the new man, that's not going to happen unless you buy a slice of time, most things in your life, regular slices of time, to make that happen. you got 24 hours tomorrow. Everybody's got 20. Isn't that cool? We all got the same, you know? Sometimes we talk like, you know, you got more time than me. I got more time than you, you know? I'm a pastor. I only work two days a week, and those are half days. So, you know, I got all this time. You got no time. You know the truth about it? We all have the same amount of time. Isn't that cool? 24 hours is 24 hours. 1,440 minutes. I mean, we all got the same amount, all right? But here's the thing. Some people will buy up some of that time. They'll buy up some, some sections of that. And they'll use it for eternal good. They'll, they'll use it to put off the old man and put on the new man. They'll use it to minister to their neighbors. They'll use it to, to, to do things in Jesus' name that will be done for eternity. They'll buy up that time. Other people, 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, gone. And nothing significant. And folks, it's possible to do that day after day after day after day. 
it, it's, not, it's not that we don't have time, you know? I mean, the, 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 you heard me say this before. The Trump excuse of, of Christians in America is, I don't have time, you know? You go on a mission trip, I don't have time. You read your Bible, I don't have time. You spend time praying, I don't have time. You go to a small group, I don't have time. You have to go with believers, I don't have time. That's just a silly way to even talk, okay? We all have time. <laughs> we all got the same amount, okay? The, and and, and, I, and I, I'm sorry, I talk that way sometimes. I mean, I, I say that. I, I'm trying to discipline myself not to say that because it's really an unproductive way of looking at your life, okay? Because it's, it's just not, it's not, it's not valuable, okay? Here's what we ought to say. I choose to do certain things. That's really what we mean, isn't it? When we don't say, I don't, I don't have time... Okay, scratch that off, all right, and just fill back in. I choose to do certain things. Now, here's the thing. We say, well, yeah, I choose, I choose to do everything. <laughs> that doesn't work, does it, okay? See, choosing to do certain things means you can't do other things. True or false? That's true, isn't it? Choosing to do certain things means you, you, you forfeit the opportunity to do other things. So, so here's the tricky thing about life. You can only put so many things in your basket, Okay? You're going through life, and you, you don't put so many, I mean, the basket will only hold so much, right? I've seen some of you at Walmart. You've tested this principle, okay? But, but it will only hold so much. And so you don't put so many things in. And, and so it's not a matter of time. It's really a matter of you, you're going to choose to do certain things, and choosing to do certain things has an inevitable consequence that you cannot do other things. And, and here's what Paul is driving at in this section. It takes discernment to figure out what is worth spending my time on and what's not? That's the big question, isn't it? I mean, the Bible is full of just these stories of people who blew their time, you know, knowing the ark, you know, I mean, you got the picture, God shuts the door and here's these people that have been preached at for 120 years, ne- never seized it. And now they're, now they're perishing, you know, um, the foolish virgins of the bridesmaids, you know, they, they, they didn't fill their lamps, and, and the bridegroom comes. They, they're not ready. They get shut out of the wedding feast. Um, Luke 12, the guy who prospers financially, and he says, man, I, I got it made now. Here's, here's my plan. Tomorrow I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to you know, sow all my grain. I got to set. You know, my life's going to be good for all that. He dies at night. Jesus said, you're a fool. You're a fool because you didn't take care of business that needed to be taken care of. You wasted your life. The worst one, I think, is... Uh, is in, uh, where is that, Luke uh, 17 or 18, Lazarus and the rich man. You know, they both die. Uh, Lazarus was the guy that was, you know, poor, sores all over, worst life possible, okay? But he, he knew God. He was, he was a believer. He goes to heaven. He goes to Abraham's bosom. Uh, the other guy, the rich man, you know, he lives in this lavish luxury all his life. Goes to hell. And, and, and the, the heart-wrenching thing about that story is he, he pleads with Abraham. Abraham, send Lazarus back to my brothers. Tell them, tell them not to come to this place. And, and the heart-wrenching thing about that is, here's this guy that he wastes his life, and then he realizes, you know what? I want, I want to be able to tell these people. I want to be able to do this spiritual thing. But you know what hell is? Here's the, here's the scariest thing, I think, to me about hell. It's not, not the fire, not the conscious torment, not the, all the horrendous things the Bible talks about. But I think that the scariest thing about hell is a place of no opportunity. Man, can you imagine that? No, I mean, it's done. It's done. Folks, that's a real temptation in our life. That's a real possibility in our life is that we will waste our opportunities. You know, you know what Paul says here? Look at verse 16. He says, making the best use of the time. And then he has this phrase here, because the days are evil. 
What does he mean by that? You see that in your Bible? Are you looking at it? it says, make the most, best use of time because the days are evil. Now, I, I think he's saying a lot of things there. I, I think you say, well, he's talking about that obviously there's a lot of evil that happens in, in a day, and there is. Uh, I mean, you can use your, your, your time for a lot of bad things, okay? But, but I think what Paul is really driving at here is the fierceness of the opposition against us, okay? I mean, there are, there are a thousand things competing, screaming, let's just say that, screaming at you for your time. Are they not? Uh, there, there are a thousand things saying, look, I'm worthy of your morning. I'm worthy of your evening. I'm worthy of your daytime. And, 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 and also what we know about ourselves, and we've been talking about this in Ephesians 4, about the old nature of the flesh, is it's hard for us to do the right thing, isn't it? It's hard for us to buy up time for eternal purposes. It's hard for us to schedule off time to pray and to build Christ-centered relationships and to build Christ-revealing relationships and to give energy and resources and ministry. Those things are hard for us. They're hard for our flesh. And unless we make an intentional effort, we won't do them. You see, our flesh does not naturally gravitate toward doing the right things. We're sinful people. We naturally gravitate toward, we're bent the wrong way. We're the car that's out of line. We go in the ditch, okay? And, and so if we don't intentionally schedule, say, look, I'm going to devote this part of my life to this, it won't get done. You ever thought about the advertising industry? The advertising industry, it, 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 it runs. I mean, it's, it's engined by getting a piece of your time. You say, no, it's getting, trying to get a piece of my money. It is, but in a lot of ways, time is money. Money is time, in, in some ways, at least. But, but everybody wants a piece of you. Everybody wants you to give, devote a certain amount of life to their thing. You know, here's a hard thing for me. It's, it's not bad things so much that really get at me. But are there not a thousand? I mean, do you, do you have any idea? It, it's the same with you. How many things come across your desk every day that are good things, you know? I mean, charities and organizations and foundations and, and just opportunities. And, and, man, they're aggressively pursuing your time. It's not bad for them to do that. I mean, everybody's got their thing, and that, that's fine. But, but here's what you got to decide. you got to examine your lives. you got to look at your personal life. You can't look at my life. You can't look at somebody else's life. you got to look at your life. Paul says, look carefully at how you walk. Make the most of your time. And, and you got to decide, what is it that... I've got to do with my life. How do you know what's eternal? That's really what Paul asked in verse 17. This is 17, okay? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What, what's God's will for you? Man, how many of you are asking that question? Man, that's a popular question, isn't it? You know, what's God's will for me? What's God's will... Should I take this job or this job? You know, should I marry this person? Should I, uh, should I buy this thing? Should I buy a house? Should I rent? Should we move? Should we stay? You know, all, 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 those, all those thousand million questions that you ask all the time. And if you're a follower of Jesus, probably part of that question is, man, what's God's will? What's his will? You know, what God's will is what does he want to happen, okay? Now, now, how do we know that? That's what Paul is saying. We've got to learn to discern. If we're going to make the most of our time, if we're going to live in a way that, 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 that is, 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 is profitable, then, then we've got to discern, what does God want in my life? Because that, that's what's going to make the difference. That's what we really want to live, is, is what, what does God want in my life? So how do we know that? Well, obviously, there, there are a lot of times where God's Word actually just 
outlines His will. Okay? We know it's God's will for us to speak truth. We, we learned that in Ephesians 4. We know it's God's will for us to work hard. We learned that in Ephesians 4. We know it's God's will for us to be generous. We know it's God's will for us to be sexually pure. Two weeks ago, we, we, we heard that very clearly in the Bible. No doubt about it. You know, it's God's will. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to go home and say, you know, is it God's will that I be sexual? No, it is. Okay? It, it's very clear in Scripture. We know it's God's will for you to be active in, in, in a local church. I mean, the book of Hebrews. We, we know that. Okay, the Word of God is clear on, on so many issues. However, there's a lot of issues that are not specifically addressed in God's Word, and we need discernment. Okay? Here's where life get, really gets tough, right? We need discernment for a lot of the issues in our life. Discernment is, 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 is we need wisdom. Okay? This passage talks a lot about wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is applying the truth of God and applying the character of God, what God has said and who God is, to all the little stuff of life, okay? Should you work for yourself, start your own business, or work for somebody else? What's God's will, you know? Well, you're going to find that in the Word of God, okay? You can't turn to, you know, Ephesians 9. There isn't one, by the way. But you can't turn there and say, okay, here it is. It said, Jason Dirks, you're to be this, you know? Uh, you, you can't find that in the Word of God. And so what do you got to do? You got to use discernment. You got to use wisdom. Should you homeschool your kids? Should you put them in Kids Inc. football? Should you travel to Oklahoma City for a Lady Gaga concert? Should you financially support a rebellious adult child? Should you put your mother in the rest home? Should you go on a cruise to Jamaica? Should you run for political office? Should you buy a new vehicle? Should you put a pool in the backyard? I mean, come on, life, right? I mean, a thousand issues. I say no to the concert, by the way. But anyway, I decided to throw that in. Uh, I saw, I saw like a report on her this week. I had that on my mind. Anyway, those are all issues of discernment, okay? What's the will of God? And, and so how do we know that? Because you, you want to fill your life with the will of God, right? All right, so real quick, and this is not extensive, just brief. How do you know the will of God? Well, number one, again, there are a lot of things that are just in the scriptures, aren't there? More than people think all the time. I know that because I have people come to my office saying, you know, I'm really debating between this and this. I'm like, you are? <laughs> uh, hello, you know. I mean, I mean, really. I, I think sometimes it's not, it's, not that, it's not that hard, okay? Uh, I mean, there's times where, you know, you know should, should, I, should I leave my wife or should I, you know, stick it out, you know? Yeah, the Bible does talk about that. And so a lot of things are clear. Okay, but, but, but re, to be fair, there are a lot of things that aren't, okay? And, and so when it's not in the Bible, okay, we, we, the next thing we need to ask is, is there a scriptural principle, okay? Maybe there's not a verse that says do this or do that, but is there a scriptural principle? How about this? You know, people ask me, or we, we deal with this uh, student ministry stuff all the time. I know Michelle and Andrew do, you know, uh, going to Falls Creek, going to kids camp and all that, dress code, you know? Uh, okay. Should you buy this dress? Should you wear this thing? Okay? Uh, is that in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. But there are some clear scriptural principles in the Bible, right? So, so we got this issue that's not in the Bible. I mean, Paul could have never anticipated, you know, what, what would be on the sale rack today. Okay? There's no way he could have written down, do buy this, don't buy that. I mean, no. I, but, but there's a scriptural principle. Here's some of them, okay? Matthew 5, 28. 
says this, uh, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So right away we see there's this huge scriptural principle that lust is a serious sin. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a minor sin. It's not a minor deal. It's a big deal. Okay? So, so we have this scriptural principle that, all right, this particular sin is a big deal. Then we have another scriptural principle. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. says, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Okay? So you got a scriptural principle about lust. you got a scriptural principle about don't, don't cause your brother or your sister to stumble. And so you can look at those scriptural principles and then make, I think, a pretty godly decision about, is this right or wrong? Is this God's will? Is it not God's will? Okay? Should you go on a certain vacation? Well, that's not in the Bible, is it? You know? So what do you got to do? Well, you got to, first of all, ask yourself, what am I going to do on this vacation? All right, is that on the Bible? Okay? You, you're going to go on a vacation, you're going to mug people. Okay? Right, wrong. Don't go. All right? It's not God's will. Okay? But most things aren't that easy, right? We're going to go on vacation. We're going to hike. We're going to fish. We're going to camp. Okay, it's not in the Bible. All right? So, so go to the next level. All right? Do you have the money? Okay? There are lots of scriptural principles about debt, aren't there? Tons. Man, Proverbs talks all the time about going into foolish debt and making yourself a slave to the, to the lender. Okay? So, are you going to go in debt? Well, I'm not. Okay, go to the next. You see what I'm saying? There are scriptural principles that you can put together and discern the will of God. You know, the key is all these things. Go back to Ephesians 4.23. We looked at this several times in in the last couple months. And it's talking about putting off the old man, put on the new man. Verse 23 says, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Okay, remember, how do we do that? We learned it in verse verse 20. Uh, That's not the way you learn Christ. We saturate our minds with Jesus Christ. The more you saturate your mind with Christ, the more you know Christ, the more discerning you will be about God's will. Okay, so number one, is it in the Bible? Okay, if it's not, is there a scriptural principle? Okay, this is discerning God's will. Uh, number three, is it pleasing to the Lord? Back up a little bit in chapter 5, verse, verse 10. He says, and try to discern, again, this is discernment, what is pleasing to the Lord. You know, growing up, I can remember, you know, when you're a kid, there's not a rule for everything, right? Not a rule for everything. Um, but there's a lot of times where even though there wasn't a rule, I pretty much knew whether this would be pleasing to my dad. Okay? I, I, I knew that. Uh, we knew, you know? Shooting out the windows in the chicken coop. You know, there wasn't a rule, but we probably, if we'd have sat and thought about it, you know, hey, it's not, it's not going to be pleasing to dad. Is dad going to be happy about this? You know, I, I pretty much knew what my dad was going to be happy about and what he was not going to be happy about. How did I know that? Because I knew my dad. You know, I knew his values. I knew, I knew you know, I, I just knew him. Okay? Um, right now, I, I, I can pretty much tell you what's going to make Emma happy. Or what's going to make her displeased, okay? I know kind of what's going to, what's going to please my wife. How do I know that? You know, we've been together 19 years. You know, I, I know who she is. Uh, I know what her values are. I know, I know how she lives. I know what she loves. I know what she likes. I know what she dislikes. In the same way, the more you come to know Christ, there might not be a rule about it in Scripture. You know, I mean, see, that's the wrong question. A lot of people live their lives saying, okay, you know, is there a rule? If there's not a rule, I'm doing it, Okay. That's, that's a great way to waste your entire life, okay? And to do nothing significant with it. A better way is to ask yourself, man, is this pleasing the Lord? There's a lot of times where I'll, I'll, I'll start watching something. I'll start, you know, and there's not a clear scriptural guideline. But I know in my heart, man, if Jesus were physically present here, which it's a silly thing because he is, okay? And by, I mean, do we not believe what the Bible said to us? He lives, the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, Okay? 
But I know it's hard for us to get our heads around that. So just kind of picture, if he's physically sitting here, do I watch this? Do I do this? Do I talk about this? Do I buy this? Do I spend my day this way? And there's a lot of times just in my own heart, I just know this would not be pleasing to Jesus. But is it pleasing to him? And the last one I want you to, to think about, verse 11. Chapter 5, verse 11, to so go up a little bit. It says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Uh, expose them. Unfruitful works of darkness. There's a lot of things that we give our time and energy to that simply are not fruitful. Well, you know what it means to be fruitful, right? Fruitful is when you produce something that's worthwhile, right? Now, now your life's going to produce something, just like a field is going to produce something, all right? But if you've got, you got a great, beautiful yard full of dandelions, you do not kid yourself and say, man, this is really fruitful. Man, our yard really produces, you know? You don't say that. Why? Because dandelions are worthless, okay? If you've got a field and it's full of weeds, it's, it's, it's unfruitful, okay? If you've got a field and it's full of corn or wheat or maize, it's fruitful, okay? In the same way, Paul is saying, look, don't give your life... To, to unfruitful pursuits, okay? Expose them, all right? Paul, Paul just says, you know what you need to do with your life? You need to pull back the curtain. You need to just be honest and say, you know what? Me doing this every day really does not have a productive, fruitful, eternal, righteous purpose in my life. Expose it. See, so many times we don't want to do that. We want to keep the curtain closed on that and just keep going, just keep barreling ahead. Even though this thing that we've been doing week after week or not doing week after week, if we're honest about it, it does not produce any good, fruitful thing in our lives. What we want is we want to produce fruit, fruit of the Spirit, first of all, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We want Romans twelve eleven, the fruit of righteousness. We want the fruit of Christ-likeness, of advancing the kingdom, of a life that produces something of value. Something that will be satisfying to you. I'm done, but listen. Please, just realize, it is so easy to live your life on autopilot, just doing the junk you've always done. Even though it's unfruitful, even though it produces misery, even though it wastes, even though it has no real tangible value in the kingdom or for anybody. But I'm telling you, people will live and die and never get out of that. That's a scary thing. I don't want that to be me. And you know, the only way it's not going to be me, this is the reality. Here's here's today's message in a nutshell. The only way this is not going to be me it's not whether I believe it, okay? It's not whether I say, yeah, man, I want, I want to put on the new man. I want, to, I want to be this person to my wife. I want to be this person to my kids. I want, to, I want to invest in this way. The only way that will not be me is if I set aside time and I make the most of it. I got to buy some time and I, I got to invest it. That's the only way. We can't walk out of here with good intentions and not... You, good intentions without time... Is nothing. It's nothing. Take a look. Let's go back. Verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk. Man, take the magnifying glass and look at your life. Your, your one life. Did you know you only got one? <laughs> this is it, guys. This is the one you got. And you're going to live with the consequences of it for all eternity, good or bad. So look carefully at it. 
decide what, what kind of fruit you want, and then, man, start slicing off time to make that a reality. It only happens. It only gets done when we slice off time. Father, we desperately need your help for this, God. We, we need your help to be able just to step outside of ourselves and to really take a good, honest look at our lives. Uh, that's a hard thing for us, Lord. Um, it's hard for us to, to see past the, the urgency of our schedules and of meetings and of jobs and demands and kids. And, but, Lord, help us just to step back and look at it. Father, we want to be fruitful. We want to do things of eternal value. God, we, we want to we be changed. Lord, we, we want to devote time to putting off the old man and putting on the new man. God, that's, that's so, so crucial for us to become like Jesus. But Lord, it's so easy for us to, just to, to never give that actual time. To give everything else in our lifetime, but not that. Father, help us to devote time to prayer. To slice off a piece of our schedule for the Bible. For, for spiritual friendships, for building relationships with, with people that don't know Christ, that we might share Christ. Father, help us to make the most of our time. Thank you for the life you've given, God. Thank you for, for this day, God, to be alive. And God, help us not to waste it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.